All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy. I still get nervous singing. I don't know what it is about that. A lot of people get nervous singing. You probably get nervous listening to us sing. But anyway, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to continue my series on why the family is important. How many agree with that? Why the family is important. And I believe that we ought to have an emphasis in our church on families reaching families. And I'll just say this, if your family's not right, uh, the devil will use it in your soul winning, in your ministry. Um, we ought to have a badge of, uh, a, put on the breastplate of righteousness when we're in the warfare. And if there's something in your life the devil can use, it's sometimes the family. And so don't fuss all the way to church and try to teach Sunday school. Amen? Don't tell all your killed children off because they lost a sock. Just, just forget it. Let them come with one sock, praise God. One shoe, I don't care. But, uh, you know, the devil will try to disrupt your family so you can't serve. And so why is imp uh, the family important? Number one, let's go through the whole thing, Brother Cody. Um, the family is the foundation of society, Genesis 18, verse 18 through 19. Number two, I'm going to rely on you because I don't have notes. It's the father's priority, Genesis chapter 2. In verse 24, we went over that. And then beginning the next chapter is the focus of the devil's fight. And then fourthly, it's, it, it is the future for your children. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, and chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. And I'm going to skip that one until Sunday. Okay, so we're going to 5. The family's important because it frees you to minister to other families. Let me just say this. You can't take somebody where you're not at. And if your marriage is a farce and it's not oneness, how can you help somebody else? Uh, I want you to turn to a very important scripture before we get to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Boy, that was good preaching Sunday, wasn't it? Praise God. That Take off your mask. That was good. And then uh, that exegesis on the book of Jude. Praise God. You say, you didn't go to church? No, I went to church with y'all like y'all been doing for six months. Amen. I enjoyed every bit of it. Amen. I, now, when I had kids, we found a church, and it was a terrible experience because we'd be rushing, trying to get the kids on vacation because I, I set the standard, we're going to church. But my kids grown up now, and they, none of them go to church. No, they all go to church. <laughs> they, they all go to church. But, uh, you know, didn't Miss Connie just enjoy the service? I enjoyed the vacation Bible school meeting. Thank you for the hours that you put in. And then I didn't think I was going to ever leave Sunday night. Praise God. I mean, the youth was trying to have a fellowship for Clark, Kent, or uh, Hudson, or somebody, amen. And uh, they couldn't even get up to the Taco Bell for y'all just hugging on and loving and appreciating Brother Kevin. That's the way it ought to be. You know, a good sin in church is personal. That's why I'm independent, fundamental Baptist by conviction. The missionary program's biblical. Amen? It's not some convention and Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and you don't even know who they are. You know, friend, uh, this is personal. I think we ought to personally love Jeremy and his family. I think we ought to personally love Brother Steve and his family. I was thanking him at the altar. Thank you for going to the jail all day today, wearing that mask. And uh, I asked him, I said, do you have to have your shots? He's already had them, but... Uh, and uh, I said, thank you for reaching that soul. Because that's fruit to our account. He represents Whitfield Baptist Church when he goes in that jail. And when he goes to that revival next week. 
And so it's good to have missionaries, isn't it? It's good to be part of them. But I want you to notice in First uh, Timothy, in chapter uh, th- 3, and um, I want you to look at uh, the qualifications for a bishop. Um, it says, a man desires the office of a bishop. That's a pastor. He desires a good work. And I agree with that. I love pastoring. Uh, you, you, you can be evangelist if you want to. You can be a missionary if you want to. I just love pastoring. But it says a bishop then must be blameless. That don't mean perfect. That means, you know, you just don't have a bunch of uh, stumbling blocks in your life. You know, like you're rested on Monday and try to preach on Sunday. That'd be pretty rough, wouldn't it? But anyway, it says the husband is, has one wife. Now you say, well, what does that mean? One wife. Okay, Amen. A pastor that's been divorced is is not biblical. Neither is a deacon. You say, well, I've been divorced. Does that make me a second-class saint? No. And if you need to have a title to serve God, then you're serving God for the wrong reason. Amen? You ought to be a servant of God. You don't need a title. But that's what the Bible says. And the reason is most people can't handle that skeleton in the closet when you start coming down on their family. Amen. So a pastor has to have authority to preach on everything. It says, diligent, sober. That doesn't mean you're not drinking on Sunday morning. That means you're serious about the ministry. Amen. A good behavior given to hospitality. I think a pastor ought to be friendly, don't you? I've seen some pastors, they're not friendly. They're just mean against everything. Apt to teach. Amen. Look at that. A pastor ought to love to teach the Word of God, not just preach it, but teach it. And every, every, all preaching should have some teaching in it. Not all teaching should be preaching. So don't try to bootleg preach in Sunday school. Just teach. But look at this. That was a great Sunday school lesson by Brother um, Al Sunday morning. And Brother um, uh, Jason was bragging on Gabe preaching, uh, teaching. I said teaching, amen, teaching. He was thrilled by the lesson. I guess because he didn't want to teach on giving. <laughs> Amen. He just put it on you, praise God. But anyway, not given to wine, nor striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. It means your business ought to be straight. You know, it's a sad fact that a lot of preachers have bad debt and they don't pay their bills on time. That's a bad testimony. It says, but patient. You better be. Not a brawler. You know what that means? You're not looking for a fight. You will have a fight, but you don't, you don't stir one up on your own. Not covetousness. One that, here it is, verse, I said all that to say this. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Hmm. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Over he must have a good report of them which are without, good testimony, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then it says, likewise, must the deacon be grave. It goes on about the qualification of deacons. We're going to uh, ordain two deacons on Father's Day night. I'm looking forward to it. But tonight I want to preach on the importance of the family frees you to minister to other families. I'm just saying this. 
if the devil can rob me of my family, he robs me of my ministry. If he wants to stop you from teaching the Word of God, he'll go after your family. The devil wants to destroy your children, your oneness with your wife. It's so important to realize that God set it up that you need to have things right in your home. You say, well, I've blown it. Well, then repent and go on and conclude the past, amen? You're not some second-class saint because you made some bad mistakes in the past. But I want to tell you something, friend. You can be a second-class saint if you let that poison the present. Because the devil will always give you a complex. Well, I can't do anything. I ain't nothing. You know, I've done, been through this and I blew this. Well, stop blowing it and start going for God, amen? And that's, that's, the, that's my philosophy of the ministry. Conclude the past and go on, and God is a God of grace and of a second chance, a third chance, and a fourth chance. And all you hypocrites and all you that are judgmental, it's only by the grace of God that you're married. So don't look down your spiritual nose as somebody else has been through the trauma of divorce. It's real, and it hurts. But praise God, we need to conclude it. There's two things you can't be. You can't be a pastor or a deacon. You can be everything else. You can teach the Word of God. I've seen some preachers, independent Baptists, they, 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 just, they just try to take them out of everything because of their past. That's pathetic. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, that preacher wouldn't be there. It's only by the grace of God he has a family, that he has children that love God, that he has a wife that wants to go to church. And so tonight I'd like to preach mostly from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. And when I started studying this verse, I got hung up on the whole chapter, and I didn't mean to. And when I, when I see a verse out of context, I want to preach the whole context. And uh, the, the message last Wednesday night was, was great. It was topical. And uh, it was great. I listened to every word of it. I went to church with you too, amen? That's another time I skipped church. Amen, praise God. I'm just going to stay home watching on TV from now on, amen? In my pajamas, you know, praise God. You know, it's a lot easier, isn't it? But, you know, there's something about the fellowship. I still missed y'all, and I still wanted to be here. My wife says, why do you want to be there? You're with me. And I said, I understand. And she wanted to be here. And praise God, she did great. Thank you for praying for her. She didn't fall but three times. That was pretty good. Amen. No, don't you tell her I said that. Some of you women say, I can't wait. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell her. Y'all gossips. But anyway, look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is in thee, which first dwelt, dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. Say amen right there, Miss Lois. And I am persuaded that in thee also. The importance of the family. Timothy was about to take the place of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's in jail. He's writing this letter to Timothy. And he's trying to tell him, son. He calls him son. He's a spiritual son. You ought to have spiritual children all over the place. Amen? And if you don't have any children, you got a, many of them you could adopt right now. There's many of them you can hug that come off that bus. And there's many of them you can go by and feed and help and bless and, and help them. And most important of all, reach their parents. Amen? But here's Timothy, the great man of God. Timothy, 
who is trained by the Apostle Paul, and this verse stood out to me, but he had a grandmother and he had a mama. Don't ever underestimate the importance of preparing your children for the ministry. And I see, first of all, in this passage of Scripture, if you'll go to the next slide real quick, is that many times in the book of Timothy, uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an emphasis on continuing uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy because there's going to be great persecution and great problems pastoring, and Paul knew it. So he's trying to prepare this young man named Timothy not to quit and to be effective. And so first of all, the unfeigned faith of mom and grandmama. And then Timothy was to stir up that gift. Look at verse 6. It says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Folks, they were not grandmama called and mama called. They were God called. The gift of God. The stir up the gift of God. What was that gift? It was the gift of, 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 of pastoring. It was the gift of preaching. It was the gift of the ministry. Folks, you ought to thank God you have a ministry. And you ought to thank God you want to minister. And folks, listen, here it is. Uh, a godly family frees you to be effective in the ministry. And the devil can use it to, to hinder you from reaching other families. It ought to be families reaching families. Families reaching families. Uh, third of all, uh, it's, it, it's the opposite of the spirit of fear. Look at verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and of power and of love, but of a sound mind. Folks, I want to tell you something. Children can get a sound mind at home. That means they can get a, a, a spirit of confidence, but faith, unfeigned faith. That means sincere faith. That means genuine faith. You can have not the spirit of fear, uh, but the but of power and love. I'll go over that in just a minute. And then we see that Timothy was the uh, had a holy calling in verses 8 through 13. And Timothy was to follow his spiritual father's footsteps when Timothy, uh, when Paul said, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. And he was exhorting Timothy, that's the book title, First and Second Timothy, to take up the baton. I'm about to have my head chopped off, but I have trained you, I have, I have, I have, uh, discipled you, but before that, you had a grandmother and you had a mother. Now, I want to ask you a question. Where's his daddy? We don't know. And if I said I knew, I'd be extra biblical. Some people, most commentators, say he was dead. That's encouraging, isn't it? His daddy was dead. Some people said that his daddy left his mom. I don't know where they got that from. But I know one thing, I never hear daddy mention but thank God for a godly mama and thank God for a godly grandmother. Grandmamas, y'all have more to do than just spoil your kids and send them home. You train them, but you set the example. And so I want you to look at um, uh, uh, just a few minutes, the first chapter, okay? Let's go to the next uh, slide, brother. Uh, the next chapter, and Timothy was taught to be a faithful, fruitful leader. Uh, because he'd first been taught the scriptures at home, homeschool, one-on-one. I mean, he learned the scriptures. He had a godly example, and that was Paul 
took him as a son in the ministry. What a blessing that is to disciple some child. You ought, to, you ought to get some child and put him under your wing. You ought to take him out to eat sometime. You ought to let him spend time. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. I, I was uh, so thrilled when I got to drive a, a box Fairlane Ford through Atlanta, Georgia, and it wasn't my mama, it wasn't my daddy, it was my cousin James and my cousin Alfie that would invite me almost every Sunday home with them. And that deacon named James, my cousin, Alfie's daddy, discipled me and helped me and was a blessing to me. Almost every Sunday, I went home with them. And folks, it's all right to take somebody home with you and disciple them and help them and be a blessing to them. But then I want you to notice um, that godly, a godly family frees one to be effective in the ministry. And uh, I'll get to these, ne- these verses about uh, we can teach others also. First, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2, you know it all. Uh, you know that. But he continued, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, after all those perilous times in the last days, it says, but he continued in the scripture he'd learned from a child. Talking about Timothy. Folks, you'll never continue unless you set a foundation. Formative years. I was thinking about this this week, and especially the last week, about the 100,000 children, I believe it's that number, maybe it's not that much, that are in foster care in the state of Georgia because mom and daddy are both on drugs or in jail. Now what's going to happen to those kids? Are they going to go to homosexuals and be adopted? It's legal now in Georgia. God help us. You say, I don't like that. That's not being loving. I'm going to tell you something. I don't like it because it's abomination to God and every boy needs a daddy and a mama. Can somebody say amen? But now they can... uh, uh, homosexuals and lesbians can adopt children in Georgia. And you better not say anything about it. Yeah. And so I think we ought to fight for the children. I believe we ought to pray for the children. And I ain't going to go into detail, but I'm going to tell you something. My heart has been touched in the last 17 months in a special way for a little fellow that needs a home. And he don't need to go to a homosexual's home. And he don't need to go back to his drug head mother that won't stay out of jail. And he certainly don't need to go to a daddy that won't even claim that he's his daddy. And he's a godly home. He needs a, he needs a home where he'll be brought up in church and he'll think church is the greatest place in the world. And folks, you need to get involved in that by praying for these kids that are homeless that are fatherless. But Timothy had a mama and Timothy had a grandmama. And it freed him to be effective. Now let's go uh, the next one, Brother um, Cody, and I'm going to go through this chapter real quick. Look at verse 3 and 4. We see the passion for service. He said, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers. We're in chapter 1 of, of 1 Timothy. I'm sorry. Chapter 1. Or I read verse 5, but I want to back up to verse 3. No, we got to back up to verse 1. It says, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, 
mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice how he addressed Timothy. My dearly beloved son. Now he wasn't his daddy, but he was his spiritual daddy. Everybody ought to have spiritual children. That's why you ought to stand in line to teach Sunday school. That's why you ought to stand in line to go visiting these bus kids. That's why you ought to stand in line to go visit these rich kids across the street. You ought to stand in line to minister, to preach, to teach, to deek, to usher, to invite them to be on a ball team. Whatever you can to get them involved in the things of God and be around Christians. You ought to be excited about it. You ought to look at it as a ministry. There is no Sunday school class in this building. There's Sunday school ministries. Don't you ever call it a class. It's a ministry. It's a ministry. And if, if folks, we can go to a college and we can go to Dalton High for a class. By the way, tonight they were honoring three state champions. Cahulla Creek Hall, whatever that is, church. What's that school up there? Cahulla something. Southeast High and Dalton. All one state in soccer. Well, guess what they're at? They're up here celebrating at Burr Park on Wednesday night. Don't Catholics go to church on Wednesday night? They don't, okay. Brother Mark straightens me out on this Catholicism, amen. Oh, they don't go to church on. It's Saturday night, isn't it, amen? And I thought to myself, that's great to win a state champion, boys, but I want to tell you something. Every one of y'all ought to be in church. Say amen right there. Somebody ain't trained them right. Hey, they might make a million dollars playing soccer for the Atlanta United. But what does that profit them if they don't know God and they go to hell by religion? I don't know why I chase that rabbit, but I don't apologize for it. Look at verse 3. It says, verse 4, Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Oh, I see the passion of Paul. I don't see the passion of Eunice and Lois, but I'm sure they had passion for Timothy. And I believe they filled a gap because Daddy wasn't around. And I want to tell you something, folks. I see, first of all, the praise in this prayer. Folks, I thank God when I serve, it says, uh, that I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience and without ceasing. I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I want to tell you the best friend you ever had would be an Apostle Paul that would pray for you night and day. I want to tell you something, friend. The greatest thing you could ever do for a person is pray for them night and day. Oh, the praise of that prayer and the person of that prayer. He said forefathers. You know what that meant? That meant uh, uh, I'm just like those patriarchs. Uh, I'm the same uh, servant. I'm the same as those servants back then that you, Timothy, that you looked up as the forefathers and and, um, and I, I, it said, it said uh, whom I served from my forefathers, those that paid the price before. Stephen was stoned while Paul was being converted. Amen? Hey, David, Stephen just preached a great message on David and, 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 and how uh, he was a man of God. And, and, and folks, listen, he was saying, hey, listen, the person doing the prayer is the apostle Paul. And folks, as... The word firm, from means as or identify with those Jewish patriarchs. And then we see persistence in the prayer day and night. 
And then we see the presence in that passage. In verse 4 he said, I long, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. In Acts chapter 20, verse 37 38, Paul, when he left Ephesus, they all wept. And I mean they wept. The word is they, they, they were out of control. They were weeping for Paul leaving. You know, I've often thought, uh, and, and I miss Sundays on purpose sometimes because I'm not going to always be here. And I hope some of y'all will cry when you go by, by the casket. Just a little cry, tear be fine, amen. Make me feel good in heaven. But folks, we don't, we, don't, we don't serve for somebody to cry over us. But folks, we ought to be so close that we'd miss serving together. Paul said, I miss you and I long to be with you. And folks, that kind of compassion made the difference in Timothy's life. Then number two, I see the preparation for Timothy's, Timothy's service. Look at verse five. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. I don't have to go into that, but folks, they had, we see the preparation of education. Homeschool of faith. Unfeigned means this, genuine, sincere. I want to say this, and I'll say it very kindly. If Lois had been a hypocrite, Timothy would have never been the man of God that he should have been. Our Miss Lois has taught Sunday school over 50 years. Thank God she's real. She's genuine. I really believe that. And she's influenced a lot of these missionaries that's grown up in this church. And all you lady teachers have been such a great influence on little children. You'll never know what you've done in their lives. But then I see the endowment in verse 6. Therefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Folks, you know what that was saying? You need to stir up God's call in your life, but God's enablement in your life. And I remember when I laid hands on you when you were ordained, and I want you to know God's powers on your life, Timothy. Don't back down. Be the man of God. Then I see the encouragement in verse 7. It says, For thou hast not given us the spirit of fear, come on now, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God gives sincerity or serenity, not the spirit of fear. I want to tell you something. A person that's nervous and fearful and unsure will not be effective in the ministry. You must believe and you must believe that God is on your side and that God is able and you don't have to apologize for being a Christian. Timothy did not apologize. He had a spirit, not of cockiness, but of confidence. And then God gives strength. Look at that word power. Has given us the spirit of, not the spirit of fear, but of power. And I like this. That means strength to overcome evil, to overcome selfishness, to overcome vainglory. And God gives sincere love. He says, and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. I'm going to tell you this, friend. The devil will play tricks on your mind. You'll think everybody's against you. You'll think, hey, listen, I'm worried today and I'm going to be worried tomorrow. And you're going to be unsure about everything and the devil can use your mind. It's a battle of the mind. He can drive you crazy even as a Christian. You can be so unsure and unstable in your mind. It's a warfare. And folks, thank God Paul was saying from prison to Timothy right before he dies, 
He said, hey, listen, I've given you a spirit of power. God's given you the spirit of, of love. And God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And then I see, thirdly, the persecution in service. Now, folks, you need to train your children that the Christian life is not always easy. And I want to tell you something. We're not looking for a payday. We're looking for uh, God to reward us for faithfulness. We're not looking for an easy ride. Some people get into uh, ministry to be popular. You better, you better rethink that one. Well, I want to be a pastor so everybody will love me. You better think, rethink that one too. What you need to be is in the ministry because you love God and you love souls and you love him enough to be faithful. And so here's the reason that we ought to train our children. And here's the reason we ought to uh, uh, realize the family is very important and marriage is very important because it frees your children to be effective for God. I'm going to tell you this. The devil is trying to pick you apart and he's trying to drive you apart and he's trying to get your children. And if you, if you give up and you let up, especially in the age between one and about ten, he'll get them. In this day and age, he'll destroy them with the new age movement. And um, just the humanistic philosophy, I don't need God. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to let those preacher tell me what's wrong and what's right. I'm just my own man. No, folks, I'm going to tell you something. We ought to teach our children they're nothing without God and they can do nothing without God and the greatest privilege on this earth is to serve the living God. And they'll never see it unless Lois and Eunice set the example. But I want you to see this in closing. Verse 8. And verse verse 8 is so beautiful. It says, And be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel. Nobody's signing up for that line. The affliction of the gospel <clears throat> according to the power of God. Folks, he's saying this. Don't be ashamed of the message, the testimony of our Lord. It's the gospel. It's the power under salvation. Don't you ever be ashamed, Timothy, to preach the gospel. And then number two, don't be ashamed of the minister, of me, his prisoner. Persecution causes humility, but persecution can cause you to stray. And I've never been there. I've never been arrested for preaching. I've never been uh, beat beyond recognition like Paul was five times. <clears throat> I've never been in jail. I never had my head chopped off like Paul had. But I want to tell you what he said. Timothy... Don't be ashamed to stand for the powerful gospel and to be a man of God no matter what takes place. That's a great lesson. But last but not least, we see that God's family, a godly family prepares us for the ministry and the proclamation in service. And that proclamation is salvation. If you want to see the clearest verses on salvation in the Bible, these are some of them. I'm just going to read them, and we got to go in about 10 minutes. <clears throat> but look at verse 9. It says, who hath saved us. I mean, saved and thankful, say amen. I mean, really saved, amen. It says, who saved us and called us with a holy calling. That's a holy calling. Salvation's a holy calling. 
You know what that means? He makes you holy enough to go to heaven through Jesus' holiness. That's holy calling. And he gives you enough power called the Holy Spirit for you to live holy and not live like the devil, live like the world. Well, it's great and it's a blessing when your children want to come to church. It's a great blessing when your children want to live for God. It's a great blessing when you get up early in the morning and see your children reading the Bible instead of some junk from the world. Say amen. It's just wonderful. I tell you, it ought to make you proud when they're proud of their Bible. They ought to cherish it. They ought to cuddle it. They ought to read it. They ought to memorize it. They ought to live it. Amen? I just fall in love with the cover. <laughs> love the one that covers Jesus Christ. But let me just close with this. Speaking of persecution for the gospel, Paul elaborately elaborates on the message of the gospel. Number one, it's the power of salvation. The gospel according to the power of God. Look at verse 8 again. It says, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And then it goes on to say, And the afflictions of the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. There's no greater message. And your children have, should have, not be enamored by no greater thing than being saved. Saved, saved by the grace of God. It takes the power of God to transform sinners into righteousness. The power of salvation is the gospel. Then we see the possession of salvation. Look at verse 9. Who has saved us and called us to a holy calling according to, not according to our works. Man, I almost left out the not. Whew. Y'all have been calling me a heretic and told me to go back to Florida. Folks, it's not according to works. That's why that message was so good last Wednesday. You don't work for your salvation. Baptism is a work. But you sure do some works because of your salvation. And anybody's ashamed to get baptized, I, I doubt your salvation. Because you ought to not doubt and uh, the pr privilege of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know you're scared of water. I've had some people, seven foot tall, 405 pounds, Shaking when they get in that bath. I said, don't you ever take a bath? No, I take a shower. And I don't let it ever hit my face. I'm scared to death, preacher. I mean, they're shaking. Tidal waves start in the, in the, in the baptistry. I try to get them down and they stiffen up and I have to slap their hand and put them down. They're holding on to the glass. It's a, it's a, it's a chore, but they do it. They do it because they want to proclaim and picture the death, burial, and resurrection that saved their unworthy soul. And so, folks, it's not of works. It's not of baptism. It's not of um, catechism. And it sure isn't of transformation of taking a wafer and it turns into the body of Christ. Where in the world they get that doctrine? That's, that's, that's almost wicked. So the process, the purpose of salvation, it's a holy calling. Then I see the process of salvation. Paul tells them, first of all, um, the denied way, it's not according to works. Then the second, the design way, but, listen, it says, but according to his own purpose and, say the next word with me, class, grace, which is given to us, here it is, in Christ Jesus before the world began. Calvary was not plan B. Calvary was plan A. Amen. Before the foundation of the world, he knew Adam and Eve would sin and he knew that all sinners would fall short of the glory of God and he brought Jesus down to this earth 
to die in our place. And because of the gospel, we are called a holy calling unto righteousness. And we can live a different life. Everything about salvation is of divine grace, nothing of works. We have no merits of our own in salvation. And then I see the person in salvation given us in Christ Jesus, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9 again. It says, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In Christ Jesus. I believed everything he said last, last week, but I'm going to add one thing to it. Belief means believe in, not just believe about. And there is repentance in belief. Come on. Everybody believes there's a God. If you don't believe it, go to the emergency room. Everybody's calling on God. But I want to tell you something. Believing in God means you turn your life over to Him. And folks, He even gives you the ability and the grace to repent. Repentance is part of salvation. I thought, man, I'd like Brother Jeremy just to preach on what belief is tonight after that good message on that baptism doesn't save you. But belief in, not just about. It's belief enough to give your life to Jesus. It's not just throwing a prayer up and saying I'm saved, but it's giving your life to Jesus. It's turning from your sin. Like Paul was a murderer, then he became a missionary. That's a pretty good turn. He was a persecutor, became a preacher. And he killed Christians for being Christians. And after he got saved, he gave his life that somebody be saved. Praise God, what a repentance that was. He still didn't walk down the road of Damascus saying, I think I'll be like the world and I'll love the world and I'll never turn from the world, and I don't have to change. No, he changed. Now, the grace of God will change you. It's a holy calling. It's a holy calling. But it's all by faith, and it's so simple. Believe. Period. Believe. And so, it's a design way, not according to works, but grace. Divine grace. And the person of salvation is Jesus Christ. And the planning of salvation before the world was. And folks, I want you to look at verse 10 and I'll close. This is one of the greatest verses in the Bible on salvation. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Did you hear that? It says abolished death. You don't have to be afraid to die if you're saved. But if you're not saved, you better be afraid to die because you're going to hell. That's what the Bible says. It's going to be so hot Sunday, I might preach on hell. And it's nothing compared to what hell's going to be like. And then it says, hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Folks, listen. The world often thinks life is in a bottle or a party or some drunken crowd or in some reward on Wednesday night. And I'm not trying to be cruel, but everybody ought to be in church unless you're watching it on the internet. But I'll say this, the believers should know Christ 
and know Him personally and love Him personally. And it starts in the home. But he had a grandmother and he had Apostle Paul, but he had a mother. And folks, here's the challenge of the hour. A godly family prepares your children for the ministry. And the highest calling your family can have is that they not only walk in truth, 3 John chapter 4, but they speak the truth, they live the truth, and they proclaim the truth. And they love seeing souls saved. Timothy had a grandmother. Timothy had a mother. And it freed him for the ministry. I'm mean, glad tonight that you had a mama or a grandmama that loved God and was a good example to you. My, that mama, loved God. I called her that mama because when I called her mama, they said, which mama? I said, that mama. And it stuck with her. She made the greatest cathead biscuits in the whole world. She not only made that, she made the greatest coconut meringue pie, thick, I mean, th this thick on top. And then she topped it off with chocolate and had this meringue this thick. You don't get that in a restaurant. You get that at grandmother's table. Amen. But I want to tell you about my grandmama. She went to the altar every Sunday morning after daddy came out of the war. And she prayed, dear God, save my son. And dear God, raise up somebody to preach the gospel to him. And you're looking at him. I'm here because I had a grandmother that prayed for me to reach her son. And y'all get tired of it, and some people have left this church because of it. And I like to say, hostile la vista baby, whatever that means. Because I ain't going to stop testifying Amen. that the greatest victory in my life was when my daddy got saved. Yeah. In my ministry. Yeah. But I want to tell you about my grandmother in two minutes, because it's 25 after, 23 after. She said one time to me, son, Call me son. I read through the Bible every year. I said, you read through the whole Bible every year? That mama? Every year. And I said, when I come to a word like Mephibosheth, I spell it out so I won't miss the blessing. Do you think her prayers might have got through because she loved God and loved the Word of God? And her son's in heaven with her tonight? Not because of some young preacher thought he could preach and was scared to go out of town and leave his mama living with a drunk. No, because he had a mama and he had a grandma. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for these thoughts on chapter 1 of 2 Timothy and then these thoughts about the bishop having their family in control God, help these, help these parents to realize that you're freeing up the ministry, passing the baton, and helping the next generation have the gospel through your life, continuing through your children. And so, Lord, thank you for the investment, and thank you for the blessing of children.
pray to God would raise them up to be Timothys for your glory, to be Eunices, to be Loises for your glory. With every head bowed, every eye closed, preach too long, but I didn't preach Sunday, so I had to get it out of my heart. But have me say, preacher, I sure want to be the family that frees my children to be in the ministry, to love God, to love His Word. And I want to be that kind of example. And I want to serve God when it's, if even I had to go to jail like Paul had to, if I had to give my life, if it's inconvenient, we talk about all the do's and don'ts that society's put on us. Hey, what's more important? Souls. Become all things to win some men. And you say, preacher, pray for my family. That it free them to be effective in the ministry for God's glory. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up real high? I got to lift mine up for my children. They all haven't arrived and they never will because the devil will try to devour Every one of them. Anybody else say, Preacher, pray for me that my family would have a holy priority of God's Word, love God, and I'll do all I can to be that kind of family. I want to be a, I want to leave a legacy. Anybody else? Yes, I see those hands. God bless you. Father, thank you for the message. I pray it's been a message, not just an outline. And God, may it be a challenge for us to take Christianity home where it counts. Lord, there be one that's not saved tonight. I pray they walk the aisle and trust you as their Savior because they'll never lead anybody else to the Lord unless they get saved first. And so, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.